Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. The Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl 58 world champions, defeating the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 last night in Las Vegas, Nevada at Allegiant Stadium. Um, Just real quick. This is the second of the three years the Figured Out podcast has been alive that this show has had a Super Bowl victory Monday recap. And Johnny Rowe and Blaine Wheeler join me as always. Johnny brought up a great point. Maybe, you know, you win a Super Bowl, the first one against the Niners, it was like euphoria. Had never seen it. Second one last year against Philadelphia was amazing to send that scumbag city home crying. And last night was just another Epic, epic performance last night, and really from both teams, but specifically the Kansas City Chiefs and their ability to win games in in close, crucial situations was on full display once again. And I, I really thought my opening monologue here, and I already mentioned this, but I want to mention it again because Johnny Rowe and Blaine Wheeler are huge parts of the Figure It Out podcast and the Chiefs' success, and they join me again, but. My opening monologue here before I hand it over to the boys. That game last night just felt like it was the entire Chiefs season in one game. It was the shitty Chiefs that we saw in weeks 10 through 16. It was the dominant Chiefs that we saw from weeks uh, 18 and on into the playoffs. And it, it had it all. It had special teams, which we'll go over. It had defensive plays that were massive on both sides of the football. It had unbelievable offensive performances. And really, when you have all of that in a game, it comes down to the quarterback, and there is not a better one to have ever played the sport of football than Patrick Mahomes. And he again rose to the occasion above all else last night um, in front of our eyes. And it's, it's almost just more of a... Uh, I'm trying to think of the word real quick. It's just almost more of a, 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 a special feeling. It's like, wow, that one, that Super Bowl in comparison to the other two, that one cemented it. That was a cementer of, of a legacy that has been growing and growing and growing throughout Patrick Mahomes' career and the Figure It Out podcast. And it is just a special feeling to be a part of something like that. Um, and for this team to rally and, and find a way to win this football game is just is just epic. Um, and so I want to hear from the guys real quick. Johnny Rowe, we'll start with you, buddy. Fired up as always. Awesome to have you on the show. And you're another you're a three-time Super Bowl champion, brother. This feeling will never get old. It is incredible. It gets better and better every single time. And um, my voice is, I'd say, about like 60%, maybe 62 Point three three repeating percent. It was really wow. bad when I woke up this morning. I was letting letting the TV have it last night for the majority of the game, rightfully so, and celebrated um, with my wife. And th- the neighborhood sounded like it was being bombed with fireworks last night. It was amazing in the Northland of Kansas City, just across everywhere up here. The skies were lit up, and um, I gave a similar. You know, I could talk about this game for like six hours and this whole season every single day for the rest of the offseason, and it would never get old. But I gave a similar uh, talk after the victory last year 
Uh, the word that comes to mind, Chandler, you were trying to think of, you know, special or whatever. For me, this is a legitimate fairy tale that I, this is stuff that I didn't even dream of when I was a little kid growing up. And what we are experiencing, experiencing, you know, there are plenty of sports fans. We talk about all the time, like, you know, we have a podcast for the Chiefs and the rest of the league. There are people that are um, fans of all the teams. There are Panthers fans that love their team as much as we love our team. There are uh, Washington Commanders fans and, and, and all across the league. They love their team and they're in different spots than the Chiefs are right now. At the lowest of lows, I never imagined the Chiefs would be where they are right now. I said that after the victory last year, and the storylines that are around this team this year are ridiculous. I cannot believe that there is just suites of Hollywood's A-list celebrities losing their shit because our team won. I can't believe that I watch the our team and the, the quarterback – is accomplishing the feats that the greatest of all time who are enshrined in Canton, Ohio, combined really don't even have. There are only two quarterbacks in the history of the league that that have more playoff wins than our guy. And he's 28 years old. Our, our head coach was much maligned for a long part of his career. And there were legitimate concerns that he wouldn't make the Hall of Fame, even though he should have because he didn't have the big game. And now he's got three and he's the most lovable guy in the whole league and so many other storylines go into this that make this feel like a legitimate fairy tale i have so much joy when i watch this team and i i, I just love it so much there, there's there's no part of me that takes this for granted i hope that all of you guys i know you guys don't but the listeners do not take this for granted and what makes it even better you know like i keep saying 99.99% of sports fans out there are born, live, and legitimately die from this earth without even sniffing the euphoria that we are feeling right now. And it is the greatest feeling. Um, it is the greatest feeling ever. And the last thing I'll say, kick it over to Blaine. What makes it even better, guys, is that our leader, Patrick Mahomes, already is ruling out all concern for complacency. He said multiple times he's going to enjoy the night last night, rightfully so. He's going to enjoy the parade on Wednesday here in Kansas City. And then he literally said, I'm going to do everything I can to get us back to this game next year. When I heard him say that last night, it that's when I first started to well up. You know, I cried after the first Super Bowl. I was also so drunk. <laughs> I cr I cried after the Super Bowl last year um, because I was I was like legitimately angry. I hate Philly, like you were saying, Chandler. I didn't cry immediately after this one until I heard our our quarterback say that. And so, Blaine, I'm so excited, and I know you are too. This was my favorite one, but I mean by far, to be honest with you, that first one was really sweet. But this one, my voice is a little raspy too uh, john i think we're all in the same boat with this which makes it fun but no my voice just, is fine <laughs> it's just the <laughs> guy it's just the guys that won this one i mean it, it was really special because it's the people that kansas city have has brought into their organization to represent their city it's a guy like chris jones because his energy won that that draft combine interview or legerious sneak because um, we saw something out of him in a late round. Trip McDuffie, because he may have been a little small in the draft, but we loved his moxie. 
you know, it's Leo Chanel. He go come downhill and hit you in the mouth. His family's a great football family. It's Harrison Butker, a God-loving man. It's Patrick Mahomes, a family man. It's Travis Kelsey, one of the best energizer, you know, just positive people on the football field. It's all those guys coming together that Kansas City is picked, hand-picked to create their culture with Andy Reid, the leader of that culture, and it all coming together. And and like you said, Chandler, that whole season is one game ex- example of that. You know, didn't get down when they could have down 10, fighting a little bit, but then seeing the light and coming together and just, you know, they just do it the right way. They, they are great the right way. They enjoy being around each other. They are clearly motivated human beings because of who all of them are together. And you saw that throughout this year and you saw it in a game like this of just that's how you win at life. And that's how you win in a Super Bowl football game. That's just the tie in there, I think, is just super, super special. That's what Andy and Patrick have said in every interview I've watched. And I've almost been like, damn, you got to enjoy every day. Take it to your everyday life, too, because that works in football and everything you do. And it's cool for the city to just experience success because it's I mean, it's euphoric because shit. I mean, it's just you can see it unfold. And it's just special, man. And and it's not going to stop because they're all the same people. Like, we're going to keep bringing in those type of guys and keep being successful because of the people we have at the top. It's a great point, Blaine. I had that as as one of my notes here. Nobody wants to leave. Like, legitimately, you can, like, you have this dynasty. You want to go for this three-peat. You know, there's always concerns of, you know, when, when this big money is brought in. But, like, legitimately, you know, not a soul in that locker room wants to leave. Like, right. maybe outside of Kadarius, because he's a little – he might be a little schizo. But, uh, like, you know, Snead and Chris Jones, like, these are going to be guys that are marquee free agents. Willie Gay and, you know, Drew Tranquil, they don't want to go anywhere. Ch- I mean, Chandler, isn't that, don't you agree? Oh, I totally agree. And I think really the – the uh, what I love Blaine bringing up all those different guys is just – it just is a, a game like that is just such a good reminder of how much of a team sport this freaking game is. Right. And guys outside of the of the Patrick Mahomes and the Chris Jones and the Travis Kelseys had huge moments last night and moments that go unnoticed. The guys sent in some awesome tape today of Leo Chanel just being an absolute beast at the point of attack. You've got guys like Nick Allegretti who were abused last night, we would say. I mean, they had definitely attacked him, and things were tough, and he continued to fight. And I got to say, I mean, in the crunch time, when Patrick Mahomes was delivering the football down the field to not only send it to overtime, but then to win it in overtime, I don't remember much pressure getting to him in the biggest moments. And and I think that's a huge testament to not only coaching, but to guys like Nick Allegretti who have been – in moments where it wasn't good to be a Chiefs player, hint the Super Bowl in Tampa where they got killed, to turn around and to have a performance like that where it wasn't your best, but you turned around and did enough to get over the finish line is is really the mindset of this franchise right now. And you guys said it perfectly. Um, it's just awesome to see. Guys like Justin Watson, three catches for 54 yards last night, huge, huge moments from guys like that. McCole Hardman, three catches, 57 yards, and the game-winning touchdown. We all hate McCole, but God damn it, if he's not going to have a place in our history book for the rest of time. I mean, that was such an awesome play. 
for a guy who has faced nothing but scrutiny and rightfully so to submit his, I guess you call it legacy as a chiefs player um, to catch the game winning and a super game winning touchdown in the super bowl from Patrick Mahomes. It's just those little moments that are so magnified and so special um, that made last night. So freaking elite. Let's talk the game a little bit. Um, I'm going to start with the, the team's perspective. We always talk about keys to the game. Um, I've always been taught there were four big ones, and it's first down, third down, special teams, or excuse me, time of possession, and turnovers. And then if you want to add a fifth, I'm going to add special teams because it was on clear, yeah. clear display last night. And really, I say all that because most of those keys, guys, that I just mentioned were washes, but two big ones. Time of possession, the Niners won by two minutes. Okay, you give a little slight nod there in the win column, but not much to to, to influence the game. First downs, 24 Chiefs, Niners 23. Okay, wash. Turnovers, 2-2, two to two, wash. Now here is where it gets important. Third downs last night. The Chiefs, 9 for 19. Not necessarily the best ratio, but when you look on the other side, San Francisco 3 of 12 on third down. Both teams were 1 of 1 on fourth down, um, which were two huge plays in the game. But I digress. That stat in itself right there kept the Chiefs in the football game, not only from an offensive perspective, but from a defensive perspective. Because every time the Chiefs had to punt, I was like, okay, you know what? Fine. They have to punt here, but this defense is locked in, and they're going to keep us in this football game, Blaine. And it's especially magnified down the stretch. You know, third down, down the stretch, if you get one, it changes the football game, obviously. But that's where the Chiefs won on the defensive side of the football. That Chris Jones forcing that third at third and four for Pur- Purdy to throw that uh, overthrow Jennings. Excuse me, I'm stumbling there. But that was a massive pressure there. That's a touchdown, guys. That's a difference maker. And then when Trent McDuffie on that third down, if they get that first down with, what, 140 to play, that game's over. Yeah, uh, two two just massive plays by two of your best players on third down, and Brock Purdy just couldn't handle it. I mean, he couldn't handle it on third. Yeah. He just stage was too big, too late. Whenever you needed four, he couldn't get it, and the Chiefs were there ready to roll. Yeah, and 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 the fit the fifth thing the fifth point is special teams, and I don't think there's a better way to segue into the to the uh, unit aspect of the recap shows. And it's crazy to say, guys, but I am going to start this show. With special teams, and it was a amazing performance last night on the special teams side of things. We'll start honestly. We'll start with the punt team. Obviously, a huge moment in the game—a self-inflicted 49ers wound. Uh, Jalen Watson jumping on the football to recover it um, and setting up the Marquez Valdez Scantling touchdown. But that doesn't happen without a really good night, I thought, from Tommy Townsend. Not only punting, I thought he had some great punts. Bland and I. We're uh, arguing about the first one that the Niners took over on the 25, fine. But after that one, I don't remember a bad punt at all from Tommy Townsend. Um, And maybe the most important play of the game for Tommy Townsend, and I hate to say this about a fellow long snapper, but James Winchester snap on the Harrison Butker 57-yard field goal Longest in Super Bowl history, by the way. Nice try, Niners. We're going to take that right from you in your face. Bad snap. High. Tommy Townsend up above his helmet. Got it down and plenty of time. 
had the laces toward the line of scrimmage and Butker absolutely drailed that low driving kick. Very lucky that it didn't get blocked, but it didn't, and it went right through the uprights, and it felt like that moment really settled the game down a little bit. Got the Chiefs on more of a level playing field, saw ourselves on the scoreboard, and without Tommy Townsend's hold, who freaking knows what we're talking about today? Um, And the Chiefs won by three. Those were three huge points, guys, and it started the Chiefs on a snowball effect into the second half. And, um, I mean, to to wrap up special teams, guys, Harrison Butker, um, that guy has been a huge catalyst for this offense. Um, without him, the, uh, the Chiefs probably average, I don't know what, three, four, five less points per game in the regular season. I mean, that guy had a, a season um, that will be unparalleled, I would have to imagine, going forward. I mean, I can't even remember. He had a. I, I feel like I can remember one miss on the season. I know he missed more than one, but well, that the only one that stands out to me was at New England in a game that the Chiefs ended up winning by ten. Um, but in the biggest moments, the most clutch spots, I trust nobody to put the ball through the uprights more than Harrison Butker, and it was on clear display last night. And I even went as far to say. Ha, ha, imagine if it was 16-16 and the Chiefs drove down to to win the game in, uh, in regulation and kick a field goal to win it. I mean, guys, Harrison Butker is the MVP of that fucking game last night. Might be the first MVP and uh, kicker in, in history of the yeah. Super um, He's that automatic. And, man, I like having seven on our side, Johnny. Johnny, you're a big Harrison Butker fan. Why don't you take it away real quick? Yeah, I mean, as a we're fellow Catholics. We're both, we're big, big Roman Catholics over here. And so, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Budker. He actually, um, my, my friend, Frank McCoy, lifelong friend, I think he is a, he's figure it out podcast adjacent. He, he nice. is a casual listener. Um, but he is a, a big Catholic family with, um, with, uh, I think he's got five brothers and sisters. Anyways, one of his brothers, um, is in the seminary out in California. I believe it's called, I think it's called St. Michael's. It's out by San Francisco. Anyways, that's where Butker spent uh, part of his offseason last year. I don't know if you guys remember, but last offseason, Butker like went into like a, a cloistered monastery for a little while. And funny enough, yeah, my, 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 uh, my friend Frank's brother was out there, but I thought he was absolutely incredible. And you were mentioning his stats, Chandler. I've got them all pulled up here. He was 44 of 46 on all field goals. So he missed two field goals this year. He was perfect from 40 yards and beyond. Perfect. Unbelievable. Um, Seven of seven on field goals from 50 plus. He made every extra point this year. Remember, that was a big thing. Uh, Former contributor to the podcast, Lucas Gant. Also village idiot, Lucas Gant. He had some big gripes with Butker that he was a phenomenal field goal kicker, but a bad extra point kicker. Um, Lucas is also a Falcons fan, so enjoy the top 10 pick again, uh, Lucas Gant. He had two field goals from 50-plus in the Super Bowl, and of course you mentioned the one that was, uh, if it was a soccer uh, goal, it would have been a screamer, they would have Mm -hmm. called it. It would have been an absolute screamer. Um, And I don't have that much else to add on special teams. Chandler, you're the expert, but I will say, the Tommy Townsend hold adds to the fairy tale that I'm talking about with this team. We're a season removed from like hold gate when Dustin Colquitt last year was on 
uh, back then it was called Twitter, but he was remember like there, he was like breaking down film of how to, the reason Butker is missing is because Tommy Townsend's holds weren't yep. good, you know. And here he is in the Super Bowl uh, with I don't I, you know I don't have that much of a Rolodex of, to recall uh, the most impressive holds I've ever seen, but that that's up there. That's up there with one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Uh, hold wise. And so, yeah, that was incredible. I will say too, um, I don't know if the punt from Tommy on the, on the muffed punt was very good. I don't like, Oh, like no. yard. That one great. was good. That ball, the, guys, ball, the ball hit it at was, 25, which is, I mean, that's 40 fine, yards. That's what I said. I said 40 yards. He can do a lot better than that. I mean, he bought like a 70 yarder. It's in his potential. Yeah. That's Steve, like I don't think, league. I don't think he meant to do that. I think it was fine. It was just like an, it was an, it was a punt. It wasn't right. a great punt. Right. Cause it was right. like, I just read it on ESPN. It said it was a 40 yard punt that hit at the 25 and we recovered it. I think the 19 or something like that, or maybe a little closer. It just goes so back to my, very good. It just goes back to my point from last week, and it really kind of ties into the defense as well. Is that when you're talking about flipping the field and field position, like yes, of course, you want every punt inside the 10. Right. But I would rather give the 49ers a punt on the 25 on their own 25 yard line than a potential shank out of bounds. Um, things like that. When when you have a defense like the Chiefs do, and I would even argue like the 49ers do, just flip the field in some capacity. Make it difficult for that offense that was well-oiled at times last night until they got into Chiefs territory. So, yes, was it a was it a stellar day from Tommy? No. But was he consistent and continued to punt the football to make things difficult for the Niners' offense? Yes, and that is what I would like to say. Go on, Tommy. Blake. Yeah, Tommy's hold, I think, was my play of the game. I was saying it all night last night. If they don't make that field goal, the confidence goes out of the room for Kansas City. Like, it was – I mean, all the post-game guys are, like, just screaming, screaming Harrison Butker's name because it changed momentum of that football game. But that hold's unbelievable. But the he was hitting 69 yarders in the pregame. The pregame show, I was listening to the radio, and they're like, holy shit, Harrison Butker just hit a 70-yarder. That's like, not normal. Just, they were going crazy. And then after the break, they came back. Um, whoever does the uh Dan, what's Dan's name that does a pregame show? But he's like, This is the Eric yeah. and Butker pregame show coming at you from 70 yards out. And it's, it's like you could feel that in the offense. The offense had confidence when you got to the logo, and you could see it, you could feel it. I felt good. Well, and I mean, that's it, the longest field goal in Super Bowl history, and it seemed. And like it wasn't it was, perfect. It was, it was not perfect conditions. It was. It yeah. was not good. No, and it goes back to I can't remember exactly what week it was, but I remember saying this myself that like the Chiefs' offense, and it, actually, it goes back even further to Johnny Rose's point when he brought up Justin Tucker a few years ago, when the Rave like the Ravens have a weapon in Justin Tucker when they just get into field goal range, it's an automatic three. Well, then I brought into when the Chiefs were struggling mightily to score points, especially in the second half, to simplify and to just get into Butker range. It's going to be three points. Three points is so big, as we all know. And it really felt like, kind of. Now, of course, I don't think they were wanting to just plan on Harrison Butker field goals all the time. 
but they were figuring out ways to just get in in scoring range. Scoring range, not the red zone, not touchdowns, scoring range. And from there, let the chips fall where they may. And it was like that little offensive philosophy change that projected this Chiefs team into this trajectory and are now the first team since 2004-2005 Patriots to win back-to-back Super Bowls. It's unbelievable, guys. Um, I think we've done enough special teams talk. I love special one teams. One more, one more, one more. Oh, Johnny has one to. more. Wow. We have, we have to because you know, we talk so much about how these games are decided in the margins. Special teams can make such a difference. It was a special teams play when Leo Chanel blocked the extra point. Yeah. That is a special teams play. And if, if they make that extra point, it's a four-point game. The whole trajectory of the game is different because the Chiefs – you know, the Chiefs would have had to keep going and try to get si- at seven uh, instead of being able to get three and tie the game at 16. So that was just, you know, th- the story leading up to it was that this Moody guy was going to be a big problem. He he looked locked in. I mean, he had two field goals beyond 50 yards as well, the 55 and 53 um, in, in big moments. And so I think that, that was that was just huge. And when we get into the defense, we'll get more into Leo. He was a stud. It's a great point. I that's freaking awesome point, Johnny. I forgot about that. I'm glad you brought it up. Let's great segue. Let's go to this defense. We got to end it with the offense, right? We got to go defense here, and that's probably not a slap in the face of the defense. But like, I think if they listen to the podcast, they'd understand. But this Chiefs defense, once again, lights out. San Francisco 49ers held to 110 yards on the ground. Same with the Ravens. There was no way this defense could stop them from running. McCaffrey was going to run all over the place. You know, how could the Chiefs do this? They haven't been that good against the run all year. And yet, when you take the fight to someone that thinks that they're going to out-physical you, and it works, it throws you off into a serious funk. And I thought that was the biggest reason why the Niners – were unable to score very many touchdowns last night, and it proved huge in the game, obviously. Um, The Chiefs' defense time and time again made huge uh, plays in the secondary. Uh, Mike Edwards had an amazing batted ball on the sideline against, I believe it was Ayuk. McDuffie, several. One that sticks out to me was his defensive play in the end zone, back of the end zone. It looked like a great ball from Brock Purdy, honestly. Um, and I think it was to Debo, timed it perfectly with his with his right arm reaching back and swatted it away. I think that was a Niners field goal after that play. Um, the best players on defense showed up in the best way last night. I mean, Nick Bolton, I would actually say that he kind of had a weirdly quiet night if you were just watching the game and you didn't have the stats. Leading tackler, 13 tackles all over the football field, sideline to sideline. Um, just Just incredible. Um, I'm going to save the Leo Chanel for Johnny uh, because that's his guy. He deserves that. But it was just it was just an all-out effort from this team. I said all week, we said all week, attack downhill, fly to the football, and make Brock Purdy beat us. Certainly, he beat us on a few plays. Um, but, I mean, outside of the one touchdown to Greg J- or uh, Jawan Jennings, I wasn't – he didn't really do that much in terms of beating the Chiefs. And so for that, I'll turn it over to Johnny. Um, Johnny, this defense, just time and time again, same, same, or different day, same result. They carried the team the entire season. 
Um, the offense, of course, like you got to sc- score points to win the game, but the defense did everything that they could all season long to give the offense enough time to figure it out and get it done. Um, before I get into Leo Chanel, he is my first note on my note sheet. You mentioned Nick Bolton. I saw a stat that was really cool. You guys know how we're such huge, huge fans of, of Nick Bolton. He's like one of the smartest people I've ever heard um, talk about talk about football. Um, he had 13 tackles last night, like you said. He now has 22 tackles in his career in Super Bowls, which is top 10. He's top 10 in NFL history in, in ta- uh, Super Bowl tackles. Um, so something to watch going forward in his career. I, I'd like to think he's going to be uh, in a lot more of those opportunities. And so the Leo Chanel thing, I I just I was just so happy about um, when he was drafted. Like obviously, you know, you guys know I have a soft spot for white linebackers, and uh, he's like the the pinnacle, in my opinion, of the eye test for a white linebacker. You know, he's jacked, fast, pretty good looking dude. Uh, he's got uh, he's vascular. Um, and and in college, he would take like a Sharpie and write death row on his arm, which don't even know what that means. Don't even know if it's an inside joke. It just looked really fucking cool. You know, where doesn't wear sleeves in the bitter cold is from Wisconsin. Like, I just think it, it checks all the boxes. So, so far in his career, you know, third round pick, you'd be like, oh, you know, you'd hope he'd contribute more early on in his career, definitely had some growing pains in the league. Um, He's turned into an amazing weapon on this defense. They line him up all over the place. He's so strong and athletic. He plays like, hit a couple snaps last night at defensive tackle. He plays edge, plays traditional linebacker, um, and ended up having six tackles, a tackle for loss, forced the fumble on McCaffrey on the first possession, um, and then blocked that extra point, which was huge. All of that, um, the extra point snap doesn't factor into this, but he had 27 snaps on defense. Um, like That's like less than 40%. I, I thought given that information, he, I thought he played every snap. He was so involved every snap that he was out there. Um, I even thought he played more than Drew Tranquil. Tranquil played 29 snaps, so he played two more snaps than Leo uh, on defense. And so I thought Leo was just incredible last night. There is um, on my X account, there is a sick thread that was posted. It doesn't even include the forced fumble or the blocked extra point of Leo Chanel snaps, and he kicked George Kittle's ass all night long. You know, <clears throat> I am so fucking sick and tired of hearing George Kittle's name in the same sentence as Travis Kelsey. Uh, George Kittle's probably a a cool dude to hang out with. I don't know. He might just like, I'd rather have a couple beers. He might just like to drop acid and listen to the doors. (laughs) I don't know if I, I don't know if we would gel that much, but um, you know, to hear him talk football is fine. He goes on pardon my take, but I'm so sick and tired of hearing so, so many of these fucking nerds talking about how like he's an all around better tight end. He's a great blocker. He didn't block for shit last night. The 49ers averaged like three and a half yards a carry. 3.6. Um, and he got a yeah. 3.6 yards per carry. And he got abused by Leo Chanel in less than half of the snaps you know, of the game. And then the other snaps, he didn't do very much. Ended up having two catches for four yards. Um, and people try to say he's the best all-around tight end. Meanwhile, Travis Kelsey had nine for, uh, what, 93? Yeah. So 
So, you know, miss me with all of the George Kittle stuff. He's now 0-2 in Super Bowls, both of those coming um, at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and I was just really, really proud of the linebacker core. I'll take a break now, Blaine. Talk about the defense a little bit. Yeah, I'm, uh, defensive line, obviously, second half is what's a difference maker. Big 69, Mike Pinnell. I guess he's played on four different teams in the last four years. Maybe even five in the last five. I'll have to look it up. But it was activated from the practice squad two days before this game. Are you kidding me? And he was a difference maker? PFF, I know we don't say that on this podcast, but had him graded high for a reason. It was eye test for a reason. I mean, the guy was everywhere. He plugged up the holes that we needed to. No naughty, no minihue. I came on the podcast and was scared. I was scared that they were going to be able to do whatever they wanted up front. And the first four plays of the game, guys, they did. I, 6, 18, 11, 11, forced fumble. That forced fumble to get inside of San Francisco's head and be like, man, this is going to be a tough game to win. If they go down, you know, eight-play drive, ten-play drive and score that first touchdown, that's a different football game. I don't care who you are. Shanahan's confident in his game plan. They change it up. Next possession, back-to-back Trent Williams penalties, punt, and – here we go. We're got a ball game here. And I think it, you know, I'm not sure if that was just luck or good plays or what it may be, but that was huge for Kansas City to sit back and see what was working, see what they needed to change. You bring back your D-line coach a few days before this, and I guarantee you he had a different game plan there after the first handful of drives to get more pressure in Purdy's face. And then Spags decided to dial it up at halftime and do something different. He called the D-backs and said, hey, we're going to have to play more man here. We just got to load the box a little bit more. I got to be able to create some blitzes with man coverage because it's harder to do with zone coverage, right? And the D-line had to step up. Felix had a huge play early. Now, Chris Jones, like I said earlier, I mean, Chris Jones is two third down pressures. Oh, everybody can say, oh, great coverage from these D-backs. Well, you know what helps a good D-back is a damn good defensive lineman in the face of a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it just all worked together, especially in that second half. Went more man, went away from zone. Somebody had to step up in the D-line. It was just – it's a team effort. Johnny, you talked about the linebackers, but well, everywhere, man, the, everywhere. And the great point on the D-line, because er, this was early in the game, another pressure that stands out to me, they had Ayuk wide open on a little – like a little hesitation and go route. And he, a Purdy overthrew him by about the length of the end zone, or excuse me, yeah. the width of the end zone, um, because he had guys right in his face. And I think that's a great point on Joe Cullen signing the extension a few days before. Really well done by Johnny sending that in. I think it was Johnny, regardless. Um, they looked like they were uh, rushing the passer a little bit differently than they had all season really bull rushing the middle and trying to get wide on the edges. I, I thought, thought that was so huge too. because Purdy, a lot like Patrick, not looking to necessarily run, but when his running is effective, it can cause you issues. So what they did was they forced him up into the pocket and him being a smaller quarterback, it was tough. It was difficult to see over guys like Chris Jones mauling guards back into your face if you're Brock Purdy and he threw several balls low he threw several balls short and and there were times where there were guys open and he couldn't get him the football blame I feel like Chan that's what I wanted to say I felt like they were bull rushing him they, they saw something there and changed to go inside right at him push him back 
because a, a short quarterback like that, you you can go from here. You know, you don't. You obviously at the podcast can't see my video, but it's more of a pitcher's mound, not an outfielder's over the top. Right. And multiple times, I felt like Purdy was reaching over to try to get the ball over our defensive lineman, which we had multiple batted passes, which was also something they were looking at too. It was a game plan. Yeah, it was definitely a game plan, and it comes back to your point, Blaine, about how yeah, secondary can help the D line. Well, the D-line can sure help the secondary by making it difficult to see those receivers. And you you can't rush the passer like that if you don't have a bunch of trust in your secondary players. And the numbers speak for themselves. The 49ers' top three receivers, I would say, are Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. And you can throw McCaffrey in there, but we're going to keep him at running back. Kittle, as Johnny mentioned, two catches for four yards. Debo, three catches for 33. Brandon Ayuk, three catches for 49 yards. Guys, that's so pedestrian. Freaking Justin Watson had more yards than all of those guys. Let that sink in for a second. Justin Watson had more yards than Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, who we would both, or all three of us, we would both want on the Chiefs. So... That just goes to show you what kind of secondary this Chiefs team has. And again, it was doubted going in. And my final point, before I let Johnny go, he's got his hand up, goes back to game plan. You know, it goes back to game plan, a belief in this secondary team to, to, to put guys on islands and to put them in tough situations that they know they're going to answer the call for. And it happened all night last night, Johnny. Yeah, um, my my hand was raised about when you were talking about those three um, offensive players, Kittle, Ayuk, uh, and Samuel. We talked about it on the pod. We were like, well, how are the Chiefs going to match up with these guys? We all we got it right. It was Sneed, heavy Sneed on Ayuk, heavy McDuffie um, on Debo, and then a mixture of people that are going to be on George Kittle. There was a lot of snaps um, where I saw – different safeties there were a couple snaps I think I saw Chamari Connor even over there on him and so um, they did a great job with that Chandler what makes it even more impressive is if you've got the stats pulled up I can't remember exactly was read how many targets Debo Samuel had and then read his line Debo had 11 targets three catches and yeah Trent Trent McDuffie Trent McDuffie unreal and so it goes back to other things that we've said on this pod. I've said it a few times. I know you guys have too. We have complimented, and, and I don't care how long this podcast goes. I have so many things I want to get to, and one of them is going to be Brett Beach. I don't want to do it now. I want to do it later because he owes, he gets, he owes, I owe him a ton um, of respect uh, for criticizing him earlier in the year. But we've talked about this point a lot, how elite the Chiefs have become at evaluating and developing secondary they just bring in guys that are dbs in college and they become studs they can come from louisiana tech they can come from fayetteville state they can be seventh rounders or they can be bona fide studs like trent mcduffie out of washington and in the first round that they trade up for as soon as the chiefs traded up to take a corner when they had already done the Charvarius Ward thing, UDFA, when they had done the Legereus Sneed thing, fourth round, when they had just, you know, when they had done, uh, I guess that those, those would be the ones because the seventh rounders came in the McDuffie year. But 
That showed me that they knew this McDuffie guy is an absolute stud. And to go even further, you saw the reaction from the Buffalo front office when they, when we went up in front of them. Trent McDuffie, now, they need to bring back Legereus Sneed. They need to bring back Chris Jones. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit I, where I am right now. Bring, bring these guys back. But, guys, I think, like, McDuffie might be the best of the bunch. He was incredible last night. He's the best cover corner by far on this football team. I mean, Legereus pulls out of his bag a lot of, you know, you got jam press, but Trent can line up in zone. He can catch you at the 10-yard mark and flip his hips. He can press you. He can do what he can come downhill. I mean, he's just so quick. His feet, his hips, his hands, his eyes. I mean, he is he is seriously unbelievable. He's an all-pro corner. But man, he showed it. Well said, Johnny. Well said. Yeah, the biggest, in my opinion, Blaine, and this is not even like a it's like the Tommy Townsend hold was there's really not like more than the other, but my choice for the play of the game would be the McDuffie batted down pass on third and five at the end of the game. Like we were talking about because they could have just bled the clock out and kick it. And like, that is just one of multiple huge plays that come to mind just from Trent McDuffie. He's a second year player. Like he's under club control for three more seasons, you know, They'll he'll play next year and then they'll probably extend him after that. But you know, he missed like nine games his rookie season. Yeah. This guy is just absolutely incredible and played a hundred percent of the snaps last night. And he's one of the guys they got, you know, from the picks from Tyreek, who's the other guy they got in the first round. We haven't even talked about Carl Loftus. He played 83% of the snaps. Two guys in the first round, when we've criticized Brett Beach in the first round with his selections in the past, two guys in the same round, two of the biggest pieces on the defense. Not to get too negative real quick, but your thoughts on the McDuffie hold in overtime, certainly a hold, um, tough call, call. but God, did that that pain, that pain, that was a tough one to swallow. That was really tough. Now, was it smart? I mean, you could argue it worked. If he, if Juwan Jennings runs down the field wide-ass open, you know, at, how many yards does that go? It's just kind of the battle of a DB. If you get burnt and you don't see a safety, well, fucking grab on, man. But the, <laughs> but, the the biggest thing is on, on that, Blaine, is, and, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. but right, right. Like, I don't care where Juwan Jennings was. The Chiefs' D-line was all over Purdy. I thought right. – I honestly thought it was a fumble. I thought it was a fumble when uh, Purdy, it was an incomplete pass, but I was yelling ball loudly because <laughs> I was like, guys, get on the football. I think that's a, I think that's a live football. Um, and so, but you are right. I mean, it, it, if, if he doesn't hold him and Purdy sees him early, maybe it's a different story, but man, uh, that was a low moment last night. And there were some low moments. We'll get to the offensive side of the football here in just a second, but. Anybody? I got yeah. I got one. I'm looking at my notes here. I got one more thing on the defense, and it go like I love little things like this because we understand this. But I try to explain it to my wife, um, and it's so. Dude, my wife is all about football. She has been for our whole relationship, but of course, like when your team's amazing, you get more into it. Add in her favorite person in the world, Taylor Swift. It like just gets even better. Um, like to take that even further. Saturday night, we were home. My son was in bed and we were like, man, you know, basketball, we could watch, you know, watch basketball today. Let's, let's watch like a movie or something. 
And I'm not really a big movie guy. So I was like, okay, well, maybe you can pick something. So she's scrolling through uh, uh, Max, formerly HBO Max. Well said. Uh, pre- previously to that, what was it called? HBO Now. Yeah. Big HBO fans over here. Emily literally picked that Nick Saban, Bill Belichick art of coaching documentary. And we so watched good. it together. I hadn't seen it since it first came out, but I think it was like 2019 when it came out, but um, she absolutely loved it. And so um, I love, I, I love the nuance of the game. And you guys know, of course, in overtime when the chiefs held the 49ers to three points, Chris Jones was unblocked on the third down play, right? We, we, we talked about it a little bit. Um, Juwan Jennings looked to be open. Maybe he could have scored. Certainly if the pass is there, he's getting the first down. Do you guys know why Chris Jones was unblocked? It was a backup right guard. John Feliciano went out earlier in the game, and there was a miscommunication between Colton McKivitz and Burford, this guy that left Chris Jones wide open to get to Purdy. And you saw Purdy like he was like he couldn't believe it because it was wide open. And of all people, you leave Chris Jones unblocked, backup right guard. I yeah. just it's crazy how this stuff comes into play. Well, Johnny, you were now, and rightfully so, you've been in all year. You were phone down guy during the Super Bowl. So it was just me and Blaine, which by the way, I had to carry Blaine to the finish line with me because he was very negative. But that's a I did not read. Today. I couldn't do it. There was too many messages. I just couldn't do it. But I said, Blaine, remember. In the text, when Feliciano went down, I was like, put Chris Jones over whoever fills in right now and send the message. They yep. actually didn't. They actually did not do it. But I was like, look for that to come back. Mm-hmm. Amazing point there, Johnny, to bring it back up because the biggest play of the game, um, when the Chiefs needed the ball back, they did exactly that. And look at that. The Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. Guys, let's talk about this offense. Um. This offense, as I as I mentioned in my opening, last night was a perfect culmination of the entire season. Man, did it Jeez. not feel very good in the first quarter. Now, luckily, we played to a 0-0 tie um, and then still even held San Francisco to three before, uh, this, before the game had its first touchdown. But this offense struggled to get things going. San Francisco's 49er, San Francisco 49ers defense, give them a lot of credit, was flying around. I thought they were really fast team speed-wise, especially within their the the interior of their defense, being the D-line and the linebackers. And to to continue the course and to continue to push forward and uh to, to just keep going with the punches. Just goes to show as we go back to that word we've been using is mindset of the franchise. This team was not going to be denied, and it was on full display last night. And it even gets worse as you start the second half down 10-3. You throw a pick on the opening drive after a terrible first play. That pitch where it was certainly behind Pacheco, but Pacheco certainly should have caught it put it on the ground, ran backwards. It was just an annoying start, um, and it didn't feel good at that point either. It did not feel very good to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan early in the third quarter, um, and the perseverance of this unit throughout the entire season, throughout the biggest moments of the season, and in the biggest game of the season, 
just on full display once again, led by none other than Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback to ever play. 34 of 46 for 333 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. He was also the leading rusher, nine carries for 66 yards. Some of his carries came in the biggest moments once again. I saw this dweeb, nerd, whatever you want to call him on X, formerly Twitter today, saying that Patrick Mahomes once again played terribly in the playoff or in the Super Bowl. I fail to see how you can just look at that stat line and even tweet that. But man, is it awesome to see guys hate on this guy because he willed this offense to victory. And it was on it was on full display last night. And for him to cement a legacy like that. It, it, it's it's I'm romantic about it. The the act of being the best at football, you just strive to be that growing up as a kid. And for like Johnny said, for our leader, for our guy to be that guy, fucking rocks, Blaine. What's up? It was all. I mean, just late in that game, Rasheed Rice catching some massive third down, some of his best plays. I remember one of the screens that was behind them. Guys, that's the toughest ball in football to catch. A screen that's behind you running full speed. That play was massive. Travis Kelsey was running the fastest he's ran in his entire career late when it mattered. But early, guys, it was it was so infuriating. We are sideline to sideline, screen game, counters, slow zone reads from shotgun, like an early on, early year Chiefs. It's what it was. I mean, Justin Watson dropped the ball. Isaiah Pacheco fumbled in the backfield. Rasheed Rice fumbled. Um, you know, what am I what am I missing? But it was just everything that went wrong during the season. It happened. Like one game or another, one game or another, it was just there. And then they put it together when they needed to. Patrick Mahomes and this offense figured something out. I don't know if Dre Greenlaw going out helped us. It obviously did a little bit. But it just adversity, change it up. Patrick Mahomes making decisions off what he saw early on and taking over. I mean, it's just when you got a guy like that that can do that, you're never out of it. And he took over. That's that's simply the story of the offense. Mistakes, mistakes, look like shit. Getting rolling, comfortable, Pat Mahomes, and then Pat Mahomes. <laughs> he's unbelievable, it's just, Johnny. He, he is he's everything and more. The poise that he has, and you're so right. You we're just never out of any game. I can't remember what the stat was, but like the we, the, the Chiefs have only lost by more than one score three times in his whole career. It's been six years. <laughs> that's a lot of games. I mean, this guy is just, he's just on another level. Um, you guys hit hit the nail on the head, just a microcosm of the entire season. When Pacheco fumbled that ball, I kind of wanted to jump off the Liberty Memorial. Um, just wasn't close enough to it, so I didn't do it. My deck looked enticing, though. And it was like the lowest, <laughs> it, it was the lowest of the playoffs that I had felt since the McColl fumble against Buffalo. And um, I thought Pacheco, obviously, that the one out of the half, but, you know, he had some really huge runs late. Uh, he was really good in pass protection um, as well. Um, and, and and elsewhere on the offense, you know, Travis Kelsey, one catch for one yard at the half and then absolutely went off in the second half. But you look at the cast of people that Patrick did this with, 
I wanted to say this earlier when Chandler was talking about IU Kittle and, um, and, uh, and Samuel, but uh, I saved it until now. Chandler, do you still have the stats right there? Yeah. Okay, the two leading wide receivers for the Chiefs, Justin Watson and Mecole. Yep. Oh, yeah. In, in the Super Bowl. Of course, Travis Kelsey had a big game. But in the Super Bowl, like this goes in, you know, and this goes into the whole discussion of Patrick Mahomes' legacy and his greatness. Nicole couldn't get on the field for the miserable Jets, and Justin Watson was a practice squad nomad from Tampa Bay before he got here. And in the Super Bowl, these guys are the leading wide receivers in terms of yards. Like this guy, Mahomes, is an alien. And he needs to be protected at all costs. Like, bubble wrap him and get him away from everything until next season because, like, it feels too perfect. It feels surreal. Again, it feels like a fairy tale that we have this guy. And they're only going to get better. There's, they're going to bring in a stud. You know, Kadarius is not going to be back. I, I wrote this down, too, like, MVS, great story. Much maligned throughout the season. Caught another playoff touchdown here in, uh, here in the Super Bowl. Nicole, walk-off touchdown. Um, another, another person, he's not a receiver, but Clyde didn't get to dress in the last Super Bowl. He dressed in this one, and there was a really nice video of him and Willie Gay hugging each other, crying with all the confetti coming down afterwards. Kadarius Toney, um, I now have the ick for him when I was doing a lot of defending for him earlier in the year. Like, these guys aren't going to be back. I mean, like, I would lean on, like, they're not back more than they are. And, and you know what? Let's let bygones be bygones. Go out on a high note. I'll see you guys later. The Chiefs yeah. are going to be way better at the wide receiver position next year. Rasheed Rice is a stud. Like, they're going to draft some more guys. They're going to bring in free agent studs. Um, I, of course, am manifesting that Jeff Justin Jefferson is going to be a Chief to help transition from Travis Kelsey into the next great – um, I know that's a long shot, but that's that's what I, that's what I do here. I am just telling you guys that Patrick Mahomes is in a league of his own. Uh, he's the greatest of all time. I know that we all know the whole Brady thing. You do the eye test. He is the greatest of all time, and there's so much more to go forward to in the future. I, I couldn't be more excited for him. I couldn't be more excited for this team uh, going forward. And the best thing about Patrick Mahomes for me, and especially – clearly on display this season, and it goes back to what you just said, Johnny, is that he'll do it with anybody. He will do it with anybody. I've never, you know, throughout the season, plenty of times for him to be able to trash these guys. You know, just next game mentality. Continue to get better. We're going to need you down the stretch. Um, and you look and you compare him to the greats of all time, like Tom Brady didn't have that great of weapons outside of Gronk. Well, Patrick has that, but look at who he's dealing with on the receivers. I know they had Edelman. I know he had Welker, but he didn't have like a like a true, true big time number one receiver his whole career. Patrick Mahomes doing it with and without Tyree Kill. You know, this is back to back Super Bowls without Tyree Kill. People said that the Chiefs franchise was over after trading Tyree Kill, going back to your Trey McDuffie point. Um, and guys like Noah Gray. Guys like Mr. Reliable. He is so reliable, Chandler. Good point. Yeah. Noah Gray last night with the drive to go too tight to send it to overtime had a huge like 15 yard catch for a first down guys. 
and there was a lot of yak involved. I think it was like a six-yard catch, turned it into nine yards yak. We love yak. We want more yak, and we got it from Noah Gray. And it's because of Patrick Mahomes' greatness that I I truly believe that these guys, when their number is called, they answer the test because it's your time. Patrick Mahomes is choosing to put the ball in your hands. You have got to make the play. And up and down this the the uh, excuse me up and down the skill position players in the playoffs, they've all answered the test, guys. I mean, Marquez. I have said some very harsh things about Marquez. Another touchdown, like you said, in the playoffs. Huge moments in the playoffs. Another one in the Super Bowl last night. Jarek McKinnon doesn't play for, what, the last half of the season, something like that. None of the playoffs. Activated just like uh, Mike Pinnell three days before the Super Bowl. Was not really for sure if he was going to play. Has a huge third down screen conversion where he slips out of the backfield and catches it and goes for about seven yards. He finishes with two catches for 15 yards. Doesn't seem like that great of a day. He moved the chains in the biggest moment of the game. Like you, you, we talk about the mindset of this, of this team and Jarek McKinnon is a perfect example of that. When his number was called, it was the biggest moment of the game guys. It's because they believe in the quarterback Chandler. Like they, they know, like, there's one thing to hear it, but it's it's another level to hear it and, like, fully believe in it. And you guys both played football. I didn't play football, but obviously was in locker rooms and other sports. Like, I've said this before on the pod. When you legitimately buy in and believe, it it makes such a difference than to just go through the motions. And these guys all know they need to be ready at all times. Like it's not just lip service. Like they need to be ready at all times. Um, it goes back to last year when Patrick is against the Bengals in the AFC championship game. What's he doing? Throwing first downs to Marcus Kemp. Marcus Kemp, you know, yeah. Blaine sent a great tweet today, uh, a great X. The last four touchdowns scored by the Chiefs in the Super Bowl are to these players. Um, Nicole Hardman, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, and Kadarius Toney. Kadarius Toney, healthy scratch. Sky Moore, active last night, played zero snaps. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, we've said a lot about him all season. Probably won't be back. Nicole couldn't get on the field for the Jets and is begging to fumble. Like, what's it going to be like when the Chiefs get, you know, they had those years with Travis and Tyreek. This is year six, seven with Mahomes. Year six is the starter. We got a long way to go. There's going to be so many different variations of this offense. So many exciting players to come through here, guys. I mean, if you're a fan of another team in the league, you're in hell right now. Thankfully, the three of us are in heaven. You know what it is, really. Just like as I'm listening to you guys talk, it's it's Chandler. You've played against a guy like this, or maybe you were that guy. You'd like legitimately like when you're out on that field you have a higher knowledge than everybody else out there does you're kind of the general per se or the coach on the field or the coach on the floor for basketball terms like that is obviously who Patrick Mahomes is but I don't want you to take it for like lightly like these this coaching staff trusts exactly what he's saying sometimes they're like fuck it go do what you want to do I trust you or 
that timeout, and this is this is the example of this game that I want to just this is Patrick Mahomes' greatness. Timeout, third, fourth and one, Chiefs 34, six minutes left in OT. Pat goes over there and they're like, okay, we're going to run this. And he's like, all right, I like this, but I think I'm going to pull it. Bosa's been diving down on this zone read all day. I think I'm going to pull it. And he's like, are you sure? Are you sure? I'll give you another option here. And he's like, I got, I got it. Five plays later, they call it again, pulls it 18 yards end zone. Same scheme is that pull it McColl touchdown pass. It's just with the pass added on it. It's all the same scheme. They went back to it three times in one drive because San Fran didn't have time. They saw something. Pat saw something while being on the field, went to the coaching staff, and that's part of having a guy that's just at a different level. Like, there's no other way to say it. When people can see it out there, in it, do it, execute it, it takes that special player. And it was just at the biggest moment and the biggest time they did exactly that. And I think one of the best things about last night, too, um, got to give this unit a huge shout out, but this offensive line. Um, and it goes back to what we've been saying on this podcast about how this game was a culmination of the season. But this offensive line got out physical in the first half and maybe yeah. even throughout the first five minutes of the third quarter. Um, they, they just... They they didn't look. I'm not for sure that they they obviously were ready to play or whatever. But I give give a lot of credit to the 49ers. I thought they made Patrick's life a, a living hell um, in terms of time in the pocket. Um, they weren't letting him get outside. Uh, you know, say what you want about Tony Romo, but he was making great points about Bosa. Bosa wasn't bite, Bosa Bosa wasn't biting on the inside give. Um, from Juwan Taylor begging him to go inside so Patrick can get outside. Bosa was doing a great job of staying on the on the right shoulder of Juwan Taylor and forcing Patrick back inside the pocket, and they were there ready for him. But then when you look at it, guys, he was only sacked three times. And in from about the 11-minute mark forward in the second half, running lanes, Mahomes' time, it was just they responded. And they they got more physical. They took the physicality to the 49ers. And outside of a few plays, I thought that this, that this offensive line really responded well, and especially being down a little bit at left guard. But like I said, Nick Allegretti, stay the course. Yeah, of course. You got beat not great in the first half. You had a really bad first half. They were clearly keying on you. Niners had all the momentum on the defensive side of the football. And you continue to chug and chug and chug. And a play that sticks out to me, and it really pissed me off, too, because we stopped running it. But it was like, a, let's say, I, I don't remember the down and distance, but the Chiefs pick up a huge, an awesome run right up the middle, right off Allegretti, if I remember correctly, off the left side of the line of scrimmage, down to the four-yard line with Isaiah Pacheco. And I was like, keep feeding. They go, they run, they run the ball on first down after getting that first down, and they got stuffed for one. But what I thought was a huge problem with San Francisco that the, it all of a sudden was on the Chiefs' side of the football, they didn't run it on second down. I didn't get that. Keep the offense cooking, and we settled for three. Um, but I wanted more I wanted more of that physicality down around the goal line. What about you, Blaine? Yeah, no, I was just looking at this here, and I remember that exact moment because Pacheco shot up like a rocket, and he fell forward, and then that drive stalled. And that also led me to think about 
you know, I said earlier that the Chiefs, you know, Justin Watson dropped the fumble in the backfield. I forgot to mention they couldn't execute on third and one at that earlier in the game. And that was another one of those, like, what the fuck are we doing? And this red zone trip was another one of those, Chandler. It was like, it's all those things we did wrong throughout the year. And we still did them wrong. But the last two drives of the football game, you executed and you wiped it away. And that's all, that's all there was to it, really. Elite performance. Patrick Mahomes is just a god, forever cemented in the Kansas City Chiefs legacy. Anybody final points on the offense? I don't know. I I felt like we hit it, but oh, Johnny's got more. I know. No, Johnny, I wasn't ending the show. I know you got some beach talk that I would love yeah. to hear. But any any final points on the offense? The floor is yours, brother. Yeah, the beach talk can go into just like the the wrap up because there's like you know halftime and stuff like that Romo um (laughs) this also like needs to be understood I think I think our listeners understand but like I still feel like there's some a little bit of people are just obviously tired from going from Brady and the Patriots essentially right into Patrick and the Chiefs like nobody else really has a chance like let's just call a spade a spade like it is so hard to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, um, especially in these big games. The Chiefs had 455 total yards of offense. Patrick Mahomes accounted for 399 of the 455 total yards. That means outside of Mahomes, 56 yards of offense existed. And you want to tell me that other people in this league deserve even to be talked about as the most valuable player at any point in the season. I got a lot wrong this year. I got a ton wrong this year. I never wavered from the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes' greatness. I fall on the sword all the time. I feel like, you know, when people, I get legitimately mad when people criticize Patrick Mahomes. He threw the pick today, like, okay, rightfully so, but I still get, like, mad when anything not – over-the-top glorifying Patrick Mahomes has said, and I'm just always going to be that guy. But the, there is there are no numbers that you can pull um, that are a detriment to him. He's the greatest at everything, um, and he was the greatest last night, Blaine. 208 yards on the Chiefs' last three drives. 208. Oh. I'm not going to quick math, do how many drives I had before that, d- minus by what, 250? I mean, it's obviously... <laughs> It outweighs, but 12 play, 11 play, 13 play. Patrick he's your Mahomes. guy's age, right? You're, you're 27? Yeah. You guys 27? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am. He's basically your age, so he's he's younger than me. So it'd be like one of you guys. I mean, guys, the magnitude of these moments, and we have the guy. Like, he – Guys, the pressure. I mean, I used to get nervous to play in front of 40 people at St. Pius on a soccer field. Like this guy in Las Vegas, all all the eyes are on this 28-year-old kid, and he's three Super Bowl victories deep. It's unbelievable. I can't believe we have this guy. We haven't even talked about how much of a coaching mismatch and a coaching advantage we had last night. You know, Chandler, you could probably get into that. The 49ers didn't even know the rules. No, they didn't know the rules. And one more Mahomes stat, because why not? He's the first quarterback in the Super Bowl history for 325-plus yards passing and 60-plus rushing yards, guys. 
I mean, he was the Chiefs' leading rusher last night on designed runs. Like, if, you know, just for example, like Lamar won the MVP, he's a running quarterback. You know, Patrick Mahomes isn't. And he's leading his team in rushing in the Super Bowl. This guy is just... that you dream your quarterback to be in every way the quarterback can be there. Arm, accuracy, uh, legs, mind. The way he carries himself, because you guys know damn well quarterbacks have to carry themselves a different way. Like, he is everything, and he's our guy. I will never forget that. I I will carry myself every day into this fucking offseason seven months of no football that that's that's our guy. And it's a great point on the coaching, Johnny. Um, The coaching staffs were just not – it wasn't even a fair playing field last night. And really – it ties into the Super Bowl halftime show. Like, yeah, the Niners have been there before, but the Chiefs have been there a lot more frequently, and especially as of late. Um, and it was going to come down to a second half of adjustments, and the Chiefs clearly outmasterclassed the San Francisco 49ers coaching staff. Wilkes had a nice first-half game plan, I thought. Nothing in the second half. I mean, the Chiefs scored 10, 6, 6. So what is that? That's 22 points in the second half. Like, that's absurd. 22 points and a half? That's a ton of points in the NFL. It was just an absolute domination from the opposite side of the football. And that includes a pick on the first drive of the second half, guys. Like, that's crazy. You've got 49ers coming out saying they didn't know the rules. Now, I will say this. As a fan of this game, and for a guy who prides himself on wanting to know as much about the game of football as possible, I didn't realize until the end of the game when Romo was talking about how the game would, or the quarter would just roll over, why there was a clock on the on the field. But guys, I'm not making millions of dollars to play in this in the fucking biggest game of the year. Like, how do they not know that? You got nine use check, and I believe Eric Armstead were quoted saying. We didn't even talk about it. We didn't even know the rule. And then on the same post, I believe it was ESPN or NFL ESPN, Justin Reed said they've been talking about the rule since training camp. And like that just speaks volumes to the level, the head and shoulders above the rest of the league that Andy Reed and Steve Spagnolo are when it comes to the rest of the coaching staffs in the NFL. Like, you're talking about things that are going to happen in February when you start training camp in August. Like, like that's just that's just an insane level. There are, there's no other words to describe it outside of insane level. It's just amazing, Blaine. Details. No, Blaine, go ahead. No, I, I don't have anything else to say about that. I mean, it's just, it's the Chiefs way. Like, I said it in my opening. They're, they're just incredibly locked in on a different level because of the guys they have at each step of the room from coach to quarterback to water boy. Like, seriously, yeah. it probably is that way. And the finite details in everything they do. It's it's a championship organization. That they just get different. things done. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is even, like, a really minute detail, but I absolutely love it. You guys ever notice when Mahomes warms up pregame, he's obviously throwing to somebody and then probably, like, Gabbert or some other person on the staff is throwing it back, and then there's but Patrick doesn't catch it. Somebody next to him catches it. A, it's a coach who has one arm. <laughs> it doesn't matter. 
a coach who has one arm is the guy who catches the ball and gives it to Patrick because it doesn't matter if you can just do your, just do your job, do your job. It doesn't fucking matter. It's in yeah. the details. And it was in the details right here. I love that you brought up uh, Kyle Juszczyk. Didn't know the fucking rules. First off, if I was on that podium, maybe just lie. Maybe just yeah. lie and say like, oh, I know the rules. Kyle Juszczyk, nice job, Harvard. Dumbass. Like, yeah, <laughs> went to Harvard. Doesn't know the rules to the game. Great. Yeah, so cool. You know, let's romanticize the fullback position, even though it's a fucking dead position and probably a waste of time when he's out there because he got abused by Leo Chanel too. So, Yeah. I think you just hit you just hit a spot for me. I'm triggered. I, it's in the details for the Chiefs, man. They have the advantage at head at not just head coach. They have the advantage at ownership. It starts at the top. They have the advantage at head coach. They have the advantage at all of the coordinators. Like even Tube started to do a better job. And then they have the advantage on the field too. Good luck, everybody else. Yeah, Dave Tube, you're right. I mean, special teams were really annoying earlier this season, and they really righted the ship down the stretch. Uh, let's just do some Super Bowl itself talk. Um, I, for one, last night was very frustrated with the commercials. And, of course, I know that the commercials are going to come into play. It's a Super Bowl. Everybody loves the Super Bowl commercials. But there were just so many moments in the game where I was just like, dude, I can't sit through these commercials. Like, I've got to have this game right now. I've got to have it. I've got to have the next play. I've got to have the next play. Um but thankfully, the halftime show was fucking electric. Usher Fire. was so good. Um, the the thing I like the most, guys, about the Super Bowl halftime show is how like many bangers the people that come on the show have that I've just completely forgotten about. Like probably over half of the songs that Usher played last night, I was like, man. That's Usher. Oh so god. Dude. And he just goes out and kills it. And it kind of took me back to like I mean, I guess what, like seven, eight, nine-year-old Chan? I mean, that's when he's in his prime, dude. That's, that's, it was awesome. It was a great performance, guys. And then the special <laughs> guests, I mean, Alicia Lil John, Keys, Luna, <laughs> Lil John. I mean, yeah. guys, your thoughts Alicia on the Keys halftime performance? Usher was my first CD ever, uh, Confessions. I'm not sure if you guys can picture the... Oh tape, yeah, but I had it and I plugged it in, and that was just my jam. That's my one of my favorite albums of all time. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, you have to be a special level of talent to be able to be this successful, especially based off of that album. And Confessions is literally a song about him cheating on some girl. So it's like this guy is just unbelievable. And yeah, um, he was on roller skates. So impressive! Like how? <laughs> so impressive! I I didn't know who the uh, woman was that came out and absolutely shredded the guitar. Do you guys know who that is? Uh, I didn't know who that was, no. Well, she did a great job, and Alicia Keys looked bonk. Nice. Uh, Alicia Keys is um, good-looking, that is for sure, uh, and a hell of a talent. What was the song they did together? It was... My Boo. Uh, say that again? It's called My Boo. Can you give us a rendition, or are you going to just save that? No. No rendition? I can't hear a word. I can't say. Did you hear that? <laughs> oh, oh what's like? It. It's like, you're all in, uh, 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. But regardless. Started when we were young, yeah, you were mine. Yeah. 
Man, you know what? This show was fucking fun when you won the Super Bowl. You know what? God, it feels good. But yeah, they killed it. That was an yeah, awesome duet. Um, and it was just an all-out great, great freaking time. Um, when you look back on it, uh, certainly dark moments, certainly you know bad thoughts trying to creep in. But when you have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, those bad thoughts have a really difficult time getting in. And it was on display last night. Johnny, did you have any final? You wanted to say anything about Veach because that was this was kind of the time. Yes, yes, yeah, just yeah, perfect timing. Um, when it was really low there with the wide receiving core, we talked a lot about you know there needs to be answers for this. That, and I think in that moment it was justified, but this is a reminder of just how long the season is, and really just to like another reminder of how transcendently great Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are and just really to buy in and as long as the Chiefs have a ticket to the dance like as long as they're in the playoffs that's all that matters guys like it really is like just get through the season healthy um you obviously want to win every game and so do these guys but like that that Raiders game was the low point and look how this team responded so many bad times this year it's the first time ever that a team has that has led the league in drops has won the Super Bowl. You know, the Chiefs just have like every one of those stats. Every one of those stats that's like that's like, oh, you can't do this. This is the first time that a team has won the Super Bowl when the quarterback has the number one cap hit in the entire league. Oh, you can't win. You have to sacrifice. You can't win Super Bowls when your quarterback makes that much money. Nice try. What's 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 your next issue? And so I just I think Veach deserves a ton of credit he deserved criticism when it was at its low point with the wide receivers but he's just shown that he is the best gm in the entire league and the continuity between him to the staff to the players is a fairy tale it's a dream and i i'm so excited for next year i'm so excited to go you know i'm so excited for the pod to do the stuff for the draft Mm -hmm. you know the draft is the combine i think blaine said the combine's like two weeks away the draft 70 something days away yep you know, we got the dead period is, you know, like after the draft until training camp. That's when we're in hell and we have to watch the Rockies and the Padres. Like that's that's when it's bad. But we're not there yet. So much more to come. The Kansas City Chiefs win Super Bowl 58 and are back-to-back world champions. The first time a team has gone back-to-back since the 04-05 New England Patriots. The Kansas City Chiefs have won three Super Bowls in the Patrick Mahomes era. And it is officially dynasty on in Kansas City with a 25-22 win over the San Francisco 49ers. And not to mention one more fun fact, this Chiefs team beat both number one seeds in their respective conferences this year to win this Super Bowl. It's one of the most unprecedented runs, I think, in playoff history. And we've been along for the entire ride. Figure it out podcast, the season is officially over. As Johnny mentioned, we'll get into off-season talk. My, I think the boys, I think we got to take a couple weeks off, recharge the batteries on the pod. We're going to still have the college basketball show later this week, but this is a time for the football guys to rest, recharge, and bask in the glory that is being a Super Bowl champion. 
It feels really freaking good. I love this show. I love the two of my, both of my co-hosts, Johnny Rowe and Blaine Wheeler. Hell of a season. Highs, lows, wins, losses. It had it all. And uh, can't ask for a better duo to do it with. Blaine, Johnny, enjoy the Super Bowl victory. We will talk soon. And go Chiefs! Go Chiefs! Go Chiefs.